Today's episode is sponsored by Root, Restoring Our Own Through Transformation. Root is a collective of concerned Black families, community members, advocates, and interdisciplinary professionals dedicated to decreasing Black maternal and infant mortality in Ohio. Root's mission is to comprehensively restore our collective well-being through collaboration, resource allocation, research, and re-empowerment in order to meet the needs of Black parents and families. If you and your family are planning, pregnant, or in your postpartum period, please reach out to Root at www.rootrj.org. Financial assistance is available. You can also connect with Root at 614-398-1766 or email them at general-info at rootrj.org. Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Lauren Jones. When we asked her what perspective her birth provided to the community, she shared, all the planning you do deserves a purpose, even if the plan changes. And from what I now understand, it often does. In this scenario, you have to submit to your body and its needs and just do whatever you are called to. We are so excited to hear her truth today. Hello, Lauren. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Lauren, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes. Um, So I am Lauren. I am 35 years old. I live in Oakland, California with my husband. And um, and we live in a multi-generational household, actually. So we live with, I live with my father-in-law, my husband, and my son, who was two and a half. Um, Before becoming a mom, I worked as a communications and public relations professional um, for over a decade in a bunch of like private and public entities and media and government. Um, I have a very strong sense of justice and it always calls me back, um, even in work. And it's hard for it not to show up um, everywhere I go, which sometimes gets me in trouble, but um, it's hard to not be who I am. So that's a little bit about me. Be yourself. Yes. It's not always easy. <laughs> which I don't have True. to explain. Which I do not have to explain. I know. Yep. I know you know. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, well, tell us a little bit about your pregnancy. Yeah. Um, my pregnancy was it was fine. Um, you know, in the grand scheme of things. It was scary. Um I am not a person who is comfortable with a ton of like unknowns. I try like going into every situation. I want to know all the things I can before, you know, embarking on the journey. Um, And pregnancy is not at all like that. Um, My first trimester was pretty rough. Um, I didn't enjoy being pregnant while I was in it. But looking back, I wish that I would have been more present. Um, you know, I didn't have like, I didn't have any of the like weird food things people tell you like, oh, you're gonna crave ice cream and pickles. Like I didn't have any of that. Um, I had like a very specific craving for candy that lasted for like maybe two days. And then there was like a week when I couldn't look at meat. Like I just couldn't look at it, smell it, anything. Um, But other than that, it was, um, it was more like a very long period of longing. Um, there's so many things that you're not supposed to do or eat or, um, you know, just like, you're supposed to just like sit still in a box basically. 
Um, my doctor didn't tell me that exactly, but there was a lot of things that I was used to doing that um, I couldn't do once I got pregnant um, anymore. So I, I ride a bike. I, I rode a bike to work for a long time. Um, and the doctor was like, you know, you really should consider not riding your bike um, because if you fall, you know, that that, that can cause a bunch of problems. Um, and I'm someone who also like really enjoys food and meals and like associated like uh, events. And so, you know, not being able to eat sushi and deli meats and drink wine and do all these things that I love to do um, was particularly challenging. Um, my husband and I really like bond over our shared love of these like food experiences. Um, so I was really salty, like watching him do all the things and, you know, like drinking all the wine, ordering sushi and like eating it, you know, in the closet, like <laughs> just like coming home and, and just watching him do all the things like, ah, um, for nine months, that was tough. It was tough. Um, and then like the peep, you know, like another thing that was hard for me was like the people just like coming up to you and like saying things or like touching you or, you know, offering unsolicited advice. Um, some of it was definitely like really helpful, like particularly from elder women who had been through it, um, that I trusted, you know, like it was helpful to hear like, oh, you're not going to have time for that. Or, you know, you're not going to be sleeping much. It was helpful and it was not helpful. It was like, it was pretty fear inducing because I didn't know. I, I heard a lot about like what I would not be able to do for the next 18 years that I didn't hear, you know, that like they're pretty like vague in general about like all the ways in which um, becoming a mom changes your life. Um, so yeah, I was, it was, it was tough. I was pretty sick in my first trimester, um, like violently ill, like so much so that like someone at work suggested I just like smoke some weed to help with nausea, um, which I didn't end up doing because I was like too scared. Like I was, you know, I was just like, oh my God, there's so many things that can go wrong. Like, um, but it was, yeah, it was just like, a, it was challenging. Like, obviously your, you know, your emotions are everywhere. Your body is changing. Um, and then there's this long list of things that you can't do. So I ended up like, I ended up making a lot of life changes actually that stuck um, beyond the pregnancy while I was pregnant. I like, um, I started, we, we used to live in the studio in San, in like the center of San Francisco on like a very busy five lane, one way street, um, with cars just like driving by all the time. And I started like getting into, um, you know, learning about environmental, like, um, factors that, you know, could all, like harm you or harm the baby or aren't good for young children. Um, so we ended up moving, this is why we moved to Oakland so we could get away from like break dust and smog. And, um, I don't live that far from like a busy intersection, but I'm not like on one. So I think it makes a difference. Um, I ended up throwing out like hella beauty products and hair products. And, um, you know, I'm like, and I'm like, I have like the top tier status at Sephora. Like I love to go and buy just like products. I'm such a beauty product junkie. Um, so that sucked. I was just like literally throwing money in the trash, but um, 
there was so many things. It was like surprising to me. There's so many ingredients that are in like things that you use every day, like your deodorant and your hair products, um, your toothpaste, your um, lipstick, like that you're not, you know, like that can do serious damage. Um, like fragrance is like an ingredient that's in everything, like literally everything. Um, and that's like a known like cancer causer. So um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting time. It was a time of like immense learning. Um, I was learning a lot about like a whole new world opened. I would say like the world changed a lot. Um, I read, I read this quote that I love that is, I think really true. Like, uh, you know, dads become dads when the baby is earth side, but like moms become moms the second you find out you're pregnant. And that's really true because every decision you make from then on, right, either like potentially um, could impact this young life. So um, that's what it was like for me. It was full of just fielding unsolicited advice and like going and reading and learning and um, just trying to prepare for this like this event, you know, this like very, the workout of your life, like the most physical thing you probably will do. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just like an extended period of growth in so many ways, like physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. There's so much unfolding, right? Yeah. Pregnancy and the actual delivery and becoming a parent. Um, these little pieces of ourselves that never existed, at least that we didn't know of until yeah. <laughs> literally, like you said, you, you get a positive test back and it's like, well, what am I doing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I didn't mention, um, but you just made me remember, like I had, I so diabetes runs in my family, um, but I didn't, you know, I was like, that's not me. Like I, I ride my bike, I work out, I like eat right, I do all the things. Um, but I, I had gestational diabetes and I think, you know, they say like, oh, that means like you're kind of on the border anyway, um, if it comes out while you're pregnant. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've heard. Um, and so that required a huge change. Like I, I eat white rice all the time and like, didn't think that it was something that, you know, you should think about as like a bad food, quote unquote. Um, but it definitely is something that like, I could not eat while I was pregnant after I got the results of that test. Um, it was like, yeah, there were lots of like food things cause I'm such a food person, but like, in addition to just like gaining the weight and all your clothes not fitting right and you got to buy new bras and like, it also, it's expensive. Pregnancy is expensive. Um, yeah, like there's so many so many things and then um very very late in the pregnancy I was like I was stressed about work too like um you know folks start acting different um or some people start acting different not everyone um when you tell them you're having a baby um and so I was like trying to like continue killing it at work but also like make sure I'm not like stressed because stress is really bad for pregnancies and like trying to eat all the right things and like make sure I was, you know, like just do all the things right. It's a lot of pressure. And then also like, you know, your clothes don't fit. So like, what are you going to wear? And like, it does a number on you mentally, like mentally. 
Um, I also, towards the end of the pregnancy, um, the team discovered I had like fibroids. So then that was another like complication that, um, you know, like just like something that you could not anticipate and like, you can't really like your, I feel like your head is just like so jam packed with information. You're like, what does this mean even, you know, like it could mean nothing for me in my case, it didn't have an impact. Um, they were so small, but it's something, um, you know, like to know for the next time around, it's something that could have an impact. Um, so for folks who don't know, fibroids are like these just random tumors, right? Like, and they're not cancerous. Um, they're just like there and they're just, and they don't know what causes them. They're actually really common in black women. Um, probably those environmental factors. Um, but that's a topic for another podcast. Um, and they just like, you can live your whole life with them, but they're also like, they can have an impact on obesity. They can have an impact on birth. Um, they can have major impact for health. So yeah, that was something that I, um, didn't really like think about until it happened. And then I talking to other women in my family found out that, um, all of my, my mom and her two sisters also had fibroids. So just an immense period of growth like lots of learning yeah there should be like a circle that we have when our 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 children hit a certain age and i'm sure maybe some families do it right but that you just sit around and say these are the things (laughs) and this is what we've had let's all dig in and see like what did you do that helped what did you know because like you said like it's not until you became pregnant yourself that you were like initiated into this little circle and like, Oh yeah, I have that too. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I could have got a heads up. <laughs> yeah. um, I remember when I was really young, like going to the hospital and visiting my mom and I didn't know, you know, I was really young. So I was too young to understand probably because she, which is why she didn't discuss it with me. Um, but I remember like visiting her in the hospital and staying with my grandparents for a week while she um had hers removed so yeah it's it was a it's a time like i would have you know there's nothing you can do necessarily um at least medically right there's no like research that says this is what is the official cause um or these you know these activities can lead to the these things but it would have been nice like in a period where so much is already unknown like every surprise, um, you know, like is challenging. Like I have a really hard time understanding parents who like don't want to know the gender because I'm like, I want to know all the things. Like I want to know, you know, like we want to be, I the people who are like, I want to be surprised. And I was like, oh man, like that for me personally is so, it's just like so fraught. Like I just feel like, oh no, I have to know. Like I have to know that everything's going to be okay. And like, I I guess I'm a planner. Like I, you know, I'm like, Oh, I need to know. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to know those things before, you know, finding out in the ultrasound that, that they existed. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I think that we should have a circle. We need like women in particular just need circles around all the things related to birth. Um, because, you it 
it can't help, it can't hurt to know, you know, like maybe, I don't know, maybe it could, maybe if you knew all the things you might decide not to do it. I don't know. Um, but I think going into it with as much like awareness is a good thing because you can, when it happens, right. It's like going through puberty. Like when it happens to you, you're not like, Oh, what is happening right now? Right. You're like, Oh, they told me this was going to happen. So I know what to expect and I know how to move. Um, but with pregnancy, people just tell you like horror stories and like crazy stuff. Right. Like I had a family member who was like sending me these Instagram accounts of live births, like at home or in the hospital or whatever. And like, of course it's like the most, you know, the biggest babies, the most dramatic stuff that's coming from this Instagram account. And I was like, please stop sending me these. Like, you don't know what it is doing. It is so scary. Like, I'm not ready for that. Like, I know it's coming, but like, I'm so not ready. Um, and I think these things are well-intended, right? People like, they want to share and like, it's a, like, you're a symbol to them also, right? You're like, you're continuing like the, the evolution of the human race. Like, so they're like trying to be supportive, I think. Um, but for me, some of the stuff was like just trauma inducing. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was just like, oh my God, what? What's going to happen to me? Um, yeah, it's it's a crazy time. I feel like, I mean, we're definitely reaching a point where sex education is evolving beyond just like, don't have sex and you will get diseases. Like, I feel like yeah. that's all I remember about <laughs> sex education class very traumatic and then also like the one class in middle school where they told us like I don't know if other people did this at their middle schools but I remember my middle school having a class specifically around getting your menstrual cycle my mom had told me much about it beforehand so like I felt like I was prepared but I remember and my mom actually sat in the class with me (laughs) but I remember afterwards her being like that's the information that they're like giving out to folks. But all of that to say, I just feel like they like in all of that, they skip over the parts that are really important. Like it's like, Oh yeah, your, your cycle starts and don't have sex because you'll get pregnant. Um, And then you have to go get an annual pap smear and there's this, it's frightening and scary and, but there's no discussion around like, okay, but why am I going to get a pap smear? Like, yeah. what is that actually doing for my reproductive, yeah. over, for my overall reproductive health? What does it mean if a fibroid shows up? What does it mean if I have an abnormal pap smear? Mm-hmm. Like so many things that then I think show up later, especially when we do start to have children where you're like, mm-hmm. what y'all left that out. Just that would have been. Glossed over <laughs> yeah, your mom sounds like my mom. Um, but yeah, like there's a you know I think there's a lot of improvement. Um, there's a lots of room for improvement for sexual education at that point in life, and I think um, you know like navigating pregnancy. There that you know there's the there's the Bible. There's like the book that everyone reads. Um, but I don't know, like, I feel like it left out some important stuff too. Like, um, like what to do after this huge, what do you do after you have your baby? How should, how should you expect to feel after you have your baby? Um, 
I did a ton to prep for birth, but I didn't do a ton to prep for the period for the fourth trimester, right? Like, um, the period after I was like, and I guess, I don't know, you know, looking back now, I'm like, I don't know if I could have really fully anticipated what it would feel like, no matter how many times people told me, you know, like, oh, you're going to be tired and you're going to be sleep. You're not going to have a lot of sleep. And, but they didn't tell me like, and probably it's a good, I don't know if it's good or if they didn't or didn't, but like, no one told me that when you stand up, it feels like your insides are going to slide out. Like when you, you know, when you walk to the bathroom, that's going to be enough for like the rest of the day. Um, no one told me in graphic detail. And so I just had to like be in those moments and like figure it out. And you do, you know, like it's not the end of the world, but, um, I think that if we had these circles, if we had better education about these kinds of things, like you wouldn't be, you know, what is it like one out of every nine women suffers from postpartum depression, I think those numbers would look different if we didn't have to like endure this physical suffering completely just in the dark. Like, you know, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but I think that a big part of this, I mean, it is a huge change. It is a light lifestyle 180 change. But I think that if we were better prepared to like handle some of the stuff that like is common, then we wouldn't be freaking out in all the ways, right? We wouldn't be like freaking out that we're going to like, like, ah, I don't know what to do with this little human. And ah, I haven't slept. And ah, also my body feels crazy and terrible. And like things are happening that I don't know when they're going to go away. And You know, like there's so many things to freak out about. If we could just like reduce the number of things that we could freak out about and just like, then you could focus your attention, right? On like being the best parent you can be in that moment. And like, you could relax and actually maybe get some sleep when the baby sleep and take that advice, which was the best advice I got, by the way, anyone listening to this podcast, sleep when your baby sleeps, the shit in the house, the dishes, the the laundry, everything else will still be there. Like you have to sleep when your baby sleeps. If you don't, oh my God, it is so much harder. Like just hire help if you can. I know in like Corona time, maybe that's not a thing. You don't want strangers coming in your house. Um, But also just like, let it go for this like three month period. It is, it is such a short amount of time and it feels like forever, but when you're in it, but like you really do, like your job really should, like they should tell you that when you leave the hospital, like your job right now, your only two jobs are to like feed this baby and sleep with this baby. Like that's it that's all you're allowed to do because that's what you need to do like we're so not you know at least me like I was not accustomed to that like that we're so not programmed to like relax and heal and like you know we're like no you have to like snap back and you have to like make all the baby food from scratch and you have to like maybe garden it yourself too and you have you know like all the things like we're there's so much pressure to just be like you know like keep it together for your husband like keep your keep your relationship together like yeah do all those things but also like lay down lay down you just create you literally just like grew a human a whole nervous system a whole you know like maybe you could just like rest a little bit 
Um, yeah, it is. It's weird. It's weird that we're like, like everywhere else in the world, <clears throat> other cultures, you know, like there's like a period of 30 to 90 days where you're like surrounded by community and like people make sure you don't have to cook and, you know, like, and we have a little bit of that, but I feel like, you know, like we have, we're a country that has like, no, there is no guaranteed time off for women after having babies what like do you real do you know do you know what i just like do you have any like it's so clear who writes the laws because it's like if you had any idea what i just endured you would never ask me to come to work like you'd be like come back when you have the time and space and like already and we don't do that it's so weird when you talk about like who writes the laws and it's like they do know they don't they know something (laughs) we need to elect more they know something and they still choose not to i won't let them off the hook to say they know nothing because a lot of them are parents too yeah you're just choosing to not care how did you how did you prepare for birth and was it something um you were thinking about i mean you you said you're a planner so yeah. was there prep and what did that there look was like a lot of there was a lot of prep um where do i start um i so I had people like running up to me and like telling me all the things like, oh, you know, shit on the table when you have your baby. Like, oh, you're probably going to split from your, your vag to your asshole. Like, like just all kinds, just crazy, you know, like people telling me like the most extreme stuff. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is what happens. Like, oh, my God, this is what happens to everyone. Um, I did shit on the table, but it's OK because you're having a baby. Um but I thought endlessly about this stuff, these like crazy scenarios, right? And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? And I couldn't, like, you think about these, you think about this, like there's something you can do with that because you can't know, like, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's coming. So um, preparing for birth for me looked like, so I took all of the classes, like the hospital, I so I planned a like unmedicated natural um hospital birth and that's not what happened but we'll get to that later um so but I took all the classes like I took classes on like baby massage and I took classes on breastfeeding and like all the pain options um and I took classes just on like every possible thing that you could like some of it wasn't even related to labor and delivery but just like wanted to know all the things Um, and I like looked for the hospital in the region that had like the lowest C-section rate because I was terrified about having a C-section because my mom had a C-section with me and told me about like her horrible and traumatic experience and then the healing after. So I knew like I wanted to do everything possible to avoid a C-section. Um, and it looked like watching way too many YouTube videos about like what should go in your hospital bag. Um, all of which was like way too much stuff, by the way. Um, there, yeah, there's a, there's a whole industry and I'm probably about to become part of it. 
um, that, yeah, like you don't need a whole lot of stuff. The hospital will give you a lot of stuff. Um, but there's some things that like they give you that just aren't that great. So there's some stuff you do want to bring that's your own. Um, I packed my hospital bag like three or four times, like packed and repacked it. And like, I need this. I don't need this. I want him to wear this outfit. Um, what else did I do? I, yeah, I took a lot of classes. Like you should get a certificate. I feel like after learning, like all that learning, you should get, I should come out with like, a postpartum labor and delivery prep like certificate readiness certificate. Um, I took a lot of classes. I I created a birth plan. I like printed um, two copies of it. And, like put it in my hospital bag. Made sure I had that in my ID and like all the stuff. Um, my labor did not go at all to plan, but like you know I. I like had specific instructions for like, I want delayed cord clamping. I want, you know, give my baby all the vitamin ointments and things that you do after. Um, I wanted like skin to skin time. Like, yeah, all this reading I had done about like, you know, the, the neurological benefits, the bonding benefits. Um, I was like, yeah, I want those things. Um, so yeah, I spent a lot, I spent a lot of time, we were living <clears throat> in a studio apartment, my husband and I at the time. Um, and it was like a big studio for San Francisco. It was like 500 square feet, but it was still a studio, like one room studio. Um, and <clears throat> I don't know how much I know about the real estate out here, but it is like insane. Um, so we were just like working and saving money and like, you know, we were like, okay, we're going to move after the baby's born. Um, so for me, also prepping looked like completely rearranging the furniture about seven times. Um, like moving our bed from one end to the other end. So we were like farthest from the windows and then um, actually set up his, his bassinet in like a small walk-in closet that we had. It was like just enough room for the bassinet. And then I hung his little clothes on top and like made it his room. Um, I didn't know that like your children don't sleep in their bassinets. They only sleep with you. Um, but in, in theory, I, well, you know, it's like while I was prepping, I'm like, this is the plan. This is going to work. It's going to be quiet in here. And like, he's away from all the, all the fumes of the street. Um, that didn't go to plan. Um, and then I like moved our closet out into like, like one of those Ikea, like wardrobe unit things. And so I actually put it in what was our living room at the time. And yeah, like it, it looked like redesigning my apartment, like four to seven times. Um, yeah. Pregnancy is expensive. Like all these life changes are expensive, but I was really determined to make it work. And so I was like doing, uh, I love reading apartment therapy. And so I was like spending a lot of time on apartment therapy and trying to figure out like, you know, how to do this in a small space. And then um, we also had this like, this space heater that was in the middle of the floor, of course. And it got like really hot when it was on. So I was like, thinking about like, as the baby starts walking, like, you know, just thinking way ahead, like beyond this, like, you know, I'm like, oh, the, he, like that won't be safe. It's got such sharp corners. And so like, it looked like spending a small fortune on Amazon 
with all this like stuff. Like I babies need a lot of stuff. I had no idea. Um, but they, it turns out they need a lot of stuff and they make a lot of laundry. Um, so it looked like ordering all this stuff from Amazon, like trialing it to like make, you know, baby proof this like space. And so like, I, that was like the majority, like the prep for me was like, okay, get ready to deliver a baby, like wrap your head around that. Like you're going to do that. And then it was like physically like preparing our space. And that was like most of it. Like I didn't really think about, it was all about like preparing my space for the baby and preparing my body to have a baby. It, I didn't do anything to prepare myself for like my body after the baby. Like I didn't think about it at all. And that was a huge mistake. Um, but I learned from that. Um, yeah, my birth plan didn't go at all how I planned it. And I was like actually holding on to a lot of fear. Um, probably from watching like too many traumatic Instagram videos um, going into my into birth. But like I had a plan and it was all, you know, it was like I'm going to breathe through, you know, all of the thing, like all of the pain. And I had like practiced. I read some. Um, oh, God, I can't. Ina May Gaskin. And like read, you know, about like hypnobirthing and like all of these different methods um, for doing it naturally and like practice. I didn't practice it enough. I didn't, I think that's what I think um, kind of like didn't help was that I discovered it like late in the game. And so I didn't spend enough time like practicing all of the things um, before going into labor. But, um, you know, like I made it as far as I could. And then like a second I got to the hospital, I was just like, so I know I said I wanted this like one plan, but I really just need to sleep because I, so I started, my husband was like moving his dad out of his place. Um, the day that I went into labor, we had just like gone into, we had just like finished packing a bunch of stuff and dropping some things at like Salvation Army and, you know, I'm like really big and pregnant. So I'm probably like not supposed to be moving things, but you do what you got to do. And, um, we were like dropping, waiting for him to like get his slip or whatever. And we, uh, I was sitting in the car and I was like, remember thinking like my back just started feeling really tingly. Like, like it was trying to separate itself, you know, like, like this. And so I was like, what is this? Like, I was like, what is happening right now? And then I didn't even think about labor. I was like, am I like, I was the first thing I was like, I was like, oh, it feels like, feels like I'm having like some weird spasms or like, what is happening? And then um, as I was sitting there, they were getting like stronger. And I was like, oh, oh, is this it? Is it happening? And it was actually Braxton Hicks. Like it wasn't like fully in labor yet, but that was like the start of it. So we like, it wasn't like unbearable. It was just like a light little tingle. And so, you know, we like, we went home and I was like, okay, well, like, I don't know. I just feel weird. Like, I don't know what's going on, but like I'm pregnant. So everything's weird. And, um, we, my, my son was actually like two weeks late. Like I was like 42 and maybe like 
two days and they were starting to be like, okay, like maybe we should talk about inducing you. And I was like, yeah, no, we're just gonna, we're just not gonna do that. I'm just gonna let him like do his thing. Um, and so we like went to dinner that night and like went to bed like normal. And then I like woke up at around, I want to say like 11 and it was like not a tingle anymore. It was like, a, it was a stretch. It was like a real stretch. And so um, I had read that like getting in the, like water helps. So I like went and filled the tub and just kept like, went and soaked in the tub for a while. And then like, when I got in the tub, everything it was like normal. Everything was fine, like nothing. And then the second I got out of the tub, it was like, oh, we're stretching. We're stretching again. Um, so I spent like most of the night just going from the bed to the tub, to the couch, to the tub, back to the couch, um, and just like laboring at home, which was really great, actually. If I could do it again, um, I think I would try to like do it at home because um, like you, you just control everything. You control the lighting, you control, you know, if someone's like coming in to bother you or not, like you're just you're in control. Um, and so my husband, my poor husband, he like tried to stay up all night with me and like be there and be present, but he ended up falling asleep at around like five in the morning. And I was like, I really need you right now. Like you're supposed to be timing these contractions and you know, like we're doing like the four one one or whatever. I don't remember what it is now, but it's like a minute long, a minute apart four in a minute or some something like that. Um, and that's when they tell you, like, call the hospital, you know, and then you can come to the hospital. So I just, like, labored at home, like, most of the night. And I, when he woke up, I had, like, turned on. I found, um, I have, like, a few family members who are Buddhist. And so I've, like, pr- done some of the chanting practice with them. And so I found a YouTube video that was, like, four hours of Buddhist chanting, Um, because it was helping me like pace my breath and like just tap into the rhythm of like this, this soundtrack, this vibration. And, um, it sounds crazy and like super hippy dippy, but I swear it helped me like get through, um, this, this feeling, these, this labor pain. Um, and I found like just having a, 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 just a rhythm to like get into really, really helped. Um, and so I think we left for the hospital like 5.30. Like he literally slept for like 20 minutes. I was like, okay, you get to drive me now. Like, I think it's time to go. Um, and the second I got to the hospital, I was like, I just need to sleep. Like, can you all please just give me something to sleep? Um, and so they gave me some pain medication. And that was like the first um, medical intervention that I think sort of like set and, and set off this seri- next series of events. Cause I went to sleep. I slept from like 6 AM to probably like 6 PM. Um, but I didn't feel like, so the whole time I was asleep, my labor was progressing and I didn't like go through my labor with the labor. I was not present. I was asleep. And so I had lost control. Like when I woke up, I lost control of my breathing. I didn't feel in control of my body. I was like, just, just like woke up in this like panic state kind of, um, and was like super out of it. And 
you know, like not in my, like, not in my environment. There was no chanting happening. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, it was like strange. And my mom, um, at the time was living in LA and she had like flown up and she was there in time. And, um, she was in the room with me and my husband and my mom is a little bit of a stress case. Looking back, I might have decided differently about having her, um, be present for the birth, but like, I was glad she was there, but she also like called, you know, we have, so like we're, the labor's progressing and they're waking me up and they're like, you know, it's time to start pushing. And I was like, what? Like, I'm no, I just need to like sleep some more. Cause I had read my obsession with sleep was that in one of my classes or something I had read, I had learned that, um, when you're tired, you perceive pain, like more painful than it actually is. Um, and I forget the reasons why, but I was, I remember like part of my prep was like, oh, I need to make sure that I'm very well rested for this labor. Um, and I don't know how realistic that was, but anyway, um, you know, I I had it fixated in my head that like, I needed to be really, really well rested. And so sleep would help me like regain control. And it was the opposite. Um, when I woke up from the sleep, I was not in control. And so, I had dilated to like nine centimeters or 10 centimeters while I was sleeping. And so that's why they woke me up and they're like, it's time to start pushing. And so I asked for an epidural at like the last possible moment. Um, And I was already so out of it. Like, I don't think that I, like I had no pain from the needle and like, I don't have, um, I have thankfully had like a good person or my body just accepted it well. Um, And, but I was like really scared. Like, waking up in that state and like not feeling in control, you know, I kind of felt like I had to just like submit to this like routine process that like the hospital does all the time. And so, um, I changed my plan right in the moment I had to make like some, what I felt were like game time decisions. Um, but I wish that I hadn't asked for the epidural and I'll tell you why. After I got the epidural, I didn't feel anything from the waist down. I didn't feel if I was pushing or not. I couldn't feel like anything. And so they were, you know, they were like, push, you need to, we need you to push. And like, I was like, I am, I am pushing. And like, maybe I wasn't, maybe I wasn't. Um, but my son's like, my son wasn't coming and like, it was causing so much, the pushing was causing so much stress on him that his heart rate started to dip. And so, um, the nurse and the midwife and every, you know, there's like a team of people surrounding you, like looking straight into your crotch and you're like, you know, trying to do your thing. And it's scary. It's just like, it's like, um, I don't know. It's like, it'd be like being on, it's kind of like what I imagine being on a film set feels like, um, well, you know, but you're trying to do this like really intimate thing. And, um, the nurse and the midwife, you know, they're like, if, you know, like the, okay, the baby's heart rate is dipping, like this is really stressful for him and for you. And so they were like, you know, trying to coax me along and like be, they're like, okay, we're just going to try to keep pushing. And then it's at what some point his heart rate dipped in a way that scared everyone so much that like the midwife was like, yo, if you don't push this baby out right now, about 10 people are going to bust through that door and they're going to wheel you off to an emergency C-section. And I was like, what? Like, it scared me so bad. Um, but 
you know, she was like, we, we like, and then the doctor came. So then I was like, okay, I just need a minute. Like, just give me just a minute. I need to like gather myself and like do this. Um, and they're like, we don't have a minute. Like we need to talk about options. Like you can have an emergency section. Um, that's the safest option for the baby. And, um, you know, obviously not the best option for you, but like, we feel pretty confident that like, that's the thing. Or you can like do a vacuum and we, we, she like quickly explained like what that means. They attach this vacuum, this like little suction cup to the baby's head. She was like, you know, 1% of the time, less than 1% of the time, like the baby's brains come out with the suction and like there's permanent brain damage. And so I'm like sitting, I'm like on the table, like trying to comprehend all of these things this woman is telling me. And like that maybe my my baby's in danger and I'm like on drugs. So I'm like, what? And my husband, my poor husband, like, he's also just like looking at these women, like, what is, you know, like, what are you saying? What are you saying right now? Like, what is actually happening? And so then my mom calls my uncle who is an OBGYN and he's in LA and he hasn't practiced in like 30 years. And so he's like, well, yeah, you know, and then like, so there's like all these voices and like my plan and I'm like thinking about all, like trying to comprehend this information and like get my child here and like listen to my mom and my uncle on the phone and like judging the reaction of the doctor's face. Who's like listening to my doctor on the phone who hasn't practiced in 30 years, tell her, you can try to tell her what to do. And she's in the room and, you know, it's just like, it's a whole like thing and I just like remember going into myself and being like you need to make a decision and whatever it is it's the right decision because like if the baby comes out or he doesn't come out like you can try again for another baby like but you have to make a decision right now because this is happening and it's happening right now my husband went out into the hallway and started crying I didn't know he was crying he didn't tell me till later but like he went out into the hallway and had like a mini panic attack And I told her, I was like, come on, go on and get the vacuum. Like, let's do this. And I guess the experience was so scary that like, she was like, okay, we're going to do that. And then she said that the doctor said that she didn't even attach the vacuum. Like I just pushed the baby out on my own before she even could like come in with her thing. Um, But I don't remember. It was like, it all happened so fast and it was such a blur. Like, I don't remember like exactly what happened. I just know that like I saw I saw him come out and there he was and then he was on my chest like trying to get to the nipple. And then that was it and I saw him and I was like, "Oh my god, like look at this like first, my first thought, it's really wild. My first thought was like, look at this little alien. And then I saw his face and he looked exactly like my uncle who like just passed away like 2 years ago. Um, but he looked like exactly like my uncle. It was crazy. And I was just like, whoa, like it had just hit me all of a sudden. Like what I had, when I saw his face and I saw, and I thought about my uncle and I like looked at his little body and I was like, whoa, like I just did that. Oh my God. And then I felt super empowered. I felt super like badass. Like I just did that. I just made this human and like brought him earthside. What? Like, yeah, it was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy emotional moment. Um, But I don't like, you know, everything pre like 
is a blur. I remember like bits and pieces of being in the hospital, but it's just like, it's like at that moment, I just like came to like, it was, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it is wild. Um, but it was great. He was here and I was like, not frightened anymore. And like, just at peace and like, okay, we're doing this. Like, this, I got my little buddy, like he's here. And yeah, it was like 27 hours of terror, but like totally worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> the, the, like the thing I'm thinking about is when you said that, like when you woke up the, the feeling of like the loss of control that you felt. Right. Um, and how that's a piece that I think we sometimes like gloss over when describing when, when people decide to use any type of intervention um, for pain, but it's like the mind and body connecting back. Um, Because when you are, when you're in it, Mm -hmm. when you are in labor, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it is a full money, but money, money, mind and body experience. And it takes all of you and you have to be present. Like it doesn't give you a choice. You're in it. Um, So when you do step away from that, you have to allow your body some time to reconnect for everything to kind of come back to be like, okay, this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. Um, And I mean, you know, and interventions can be really supportive and helpful. Mm -hmm. Like you were progressing, you were Mm -hmm. and you, and you got your rest, but there was definitely there needed to be space for you to kind of Mm -hmm. reconnect back together with Mm -hmm. the experience. Yeah. And there was no time for that, right? Like the hospital has, so I didn't know this. I didn't, do this in my research, but like the hospital has like three or six birth, like some insanely small amount of birthing rooms for, um, the size, like the metropolitan area. And so like they needed their room and, you know, like I didn't, I wasn't fully aware of like all of the dynamics of like a hospital. Um, but you know, when I woke up, they were like, okay, it's time to like, it's time, it's go time. There was no time for me to like, you know, like come to and like, okay, like my, I was not connected to my body. I did not feel connected. And like, I didn't even feel like in my body. I felt like I was like, you know, I was like seeing everything happening in the room, but I didn't feel like I was seeing it from like my viewpoint. It's very weird. It's hard to describe. Like, I just felt like I was like a spectator, even though I was like, very aware and present that I was not a spectator. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's strange, but you like, you get through it and like, however you get through it, you know, like it's all valid. Like I had, and I had going in, right. This like very, um, probably informed way too much by Instagram idea of like what my, my, my birth should look like. Um, and it wasn't actually, it didn't end up going at all how I planned. Like nothing actually I planned happened. The only thing I planned happened was skin to skin time. Like I didn't get my de- delayed cord clamping. I didn't get my unmedicated natural birth. I didn't get any of those things. Um, and I, I attribute that to like the rush of, you know, this like almost like not almost this like scary 
right? Like the baby's heart rate is dipping. Like that's a time thing. And so, you know, like everybody kind of like, not just me, like everyone in the, like the energy in the room just got like really tense, really fast. And, um, you know, my doctor's probably like, fuck that birth plan. Like we getting this baby here. However, like, and, you know, looking back, like, I would have liked a little more time to sit with a huge decision that I had to make, but it just, it was not in the cards. So like I was not called to right have the time I was called to like make the decision. So, um, and thankfully it all turned out. Okay. You're amazing woman. Thank you. I felt I like that. Sit in that. After I saw his face, I definitely felt that. I went I went back home and I was like, I just did something so amazing. Like I just I just kept look I couldn't stop staring at him. Like, did I really just do that? Like, and you know, every baron is like, Oh my god, my child is the most beautiful thing ever. Like, oh my god. And I definitely felt those things, but I was just like, I could not stop looking at him, like. I was just amazed that, like, I actually did that. Lauren, how was your postpartum experience? Can you share that with us? Yeah. So um, I did not prepare for this part of it at all, really. Um, I did, like, I prepared our space, but I didn't prepare myself. So, like, I didn't think about... And I don't even know how I glossed over this, but I didn't think about at all, like, what my body would feel like. I didn't think about how difficult, I couldn't have anticipated, I don't think, any, any like, even if I tried to, like, I didn't anticipate how difficult, like, really mundane everyday tasks would be with an, like, with a baby. So, um, my husband caught the flu or something in the hospital. So he was sick. Um, so I sent him to a hotel room because I was like, I just created this human and you're not going to get him sick. Sorry. I love you. But I, I also love our baby more. Love our baby more. Um, and so I was like at home with my baby by myself for the first night. And I was also, I was like amazed, but also scared because I was like, what happened? Like, what if I roll over on the baby? What all the things people like tell you, right? Like, you're not supposed to co-sleep. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. And I was trying to do that. I put him in the bassinet in the closet, but he wasn't staying sleeping there. I felt like he was waking up like literally every 20 minutes and I was about to like tear my hair out. So, um, like my body, my whole body was sore. Every time I stood up, it felt like my insides were just about to like just slide on out. Like it was, it was a lot. Um, so that first night I was just at home with the baby by myself and I put him in, I had bought this like little like sleep barrier thing. I don't know. It's not a bassinet, but it's like a little foam thing. You like a surface to put the baby on. And, um, I like, Finally, you know, after like two or three times of waking up, I think in the middle of the night and him crying and the thing. And then I couldn't sleep when he was awake because I was scared that like I wasn't going to hear him crying in the closet. So um, I think we did. We like went through that like one or two or three times. And then 
I got the little foam thing and I put it in the bed. So it was like raised. So I couldn't roll over on him. And then, um, you know, I, we finally actually got some sleep. Like we maybe got like an hour and actually my son wasn't. So all the things people tell you like, oh, you're never going to sleep again. Like my baby slept actually pretty soon. Like I want to say by like the fifth month, I was getting like five to seven hour stretches of sleep. So new parents listening, it is not all like sleepless, crazy zombie time. Like it's only like that for a little while. Um, but you know, the rest of it was like, it was a lot of trial and error. Like my postpartum was hella trial and error. Like I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't talk to anyone about this part and I didn't know what was happening with my body and I didn't talk to anyone about that part. And so like, you know, it like the, like things were challenging. My son also was, my son was is such, and he still is, he's such a cuddler. Like he would not let me put him down at all. He had to be like attached to me. And so um, the first few days were like a little scary because we were alone. And then my husband's mom, bless her heart, um, she flew up and brought her sister and once they came, it was better because they were like, you know, they were like, okay, you know, here's what you do. Here's how you take care of yourself. They cooked for me. They like, they just handled it. They came up and like stayed for like two days and just like set me up in the ways that like I should have set myself up um, before. But like I, it was, it was nice to be surrounded by community and like loved on in that way after, after doing this like major thing. Um, but I encountered like every point of friction you can possibly imagine in postpartum. Um, so much so actually that I had an idea for a company and I've started, started like sort of started to move it forward. Um, but it's, it's called the birth box and it's like, um, all the postpartum things that you don't know you need. And they're all natural and non-toxic and organic. Um, and I make them here at home. And I've like, done it for a handful of friends. And I've like sold maybe like 10. But um, the idea is that we, sh- you know, it's like a monthly shipment that you receive. It's not like a subscription, but like a, a monthly shipment of full-size things that you receive at the exact point in the fourth trimester that you're in that you need. But you don't know you need until you need them. Um, but the idea is that we ship them like, you know, a month before so that you have, when you're in the moment and you need those things, like you have them. Um, so I, after, you know, maybe too late, whatever. Um, after I had my son, I, um, bought a copy of the first 40 days, which is a book that is like, was so crucial. Like I had no idea. And I like zoomed through it. Like, when I should have been sleeping with my baby, I was probably reading it sometimes. Um, but I was resting. I was in the bed reading it at least. Um, and I made myself like the washes and the stuff, like all the teas and tinctures and things that are in there because um, you really need that shit. And there is no, you know, like you could do meal delivery. You can, there are other things you can sub for these natural and non-toxic um, goods, postpartum goods. But um, it's not the same. Like, it's not the same. Like, ordering takeout is not the same as, like, a home-cooked meal with full of just, like, right, warming ingredients, like, things like broths and, like, things that, yeah, things that you need tailored for this, like, very special time in life. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think that, you know, there's a ton of room to improve education around this like part of life. And there are other, I see other people doing it too. And I think it's wonderful. Like, I think that we should have more of a practice of like preparing people for this period after, because the labor and delivery is, it's part of it. It's a time, but like the time after is really the time. Like you have to do all the things that you did before and you have to do them with this new little person and you have to do them while you're feeling really terrible. So like, um, yeah, I think that you should be like as best prepared as you possibly can. Um, and we just don't do that. Like everything, you know, the baby shower is all about like the stuff for the baby and the cute clothes and like the little socks and stuff. And all of that is needed and great too. But like, there is, um, there's a part of this that's like, you're learning to become a mom. Like you're being born too as a mom, right? Like, and we don't do, at least for me, like my experience, like I live really far from family too. So maybe like, you know, if I, if I were closer, like I, the women in my family would have, it would have been like more serendipitous moments, I imagine for them to like share these things with me. But, um, I didn't have that. And so I was like, there's a hole there, right? There's a hole in the market there. Like there should, there's solutions for every possible thing like you could possibly need. I bought a whole lot of shit on Amazon that I did not use and did not need, you know? But like, um, if I had just like a checklist of like, these are the things you will actually need and use, um, that would have been amazing. So I'm trying to do that for like, I'm trying to support women and people actually, right? Who do this to like, be prepared for that fourth trimester part. Cause that part for me was, I think probably the, like more than the no sushi and wine, like more than all the food stuff. Like that part was hard. That part was hard. Like I had remember a very, like, I don't know, maybe I was three or four days in and like, I had like a mini breakdown cause I just needed to pee. And like, I had just got my son to sleep and I had, him in his little bouncy chair and like the second I did he woke up and I was just like I just need to use the fucking bathroom like by myself and like my husband was you know I was there alone like um and it was I was just like it was at like I at that moment I realized that I was never going to like be alone again you know like I was like, I'm alone, but I'm not because I'm with my child. And like, not in a resentful way, but like a little bit resentful. Like I might never get to shit in peace again because it felt in that moment like this little person was always going to be attached to me. And um, I didn't have like, I eventually bought like one of those baby wrap like things so you can like wear them, which game changer. Game changer um but you know like it hadn't arrived yet in the mail and so I was just carrying him everywhere and I couldn't like move if or do anything like I had to just submit like so I was spending a lot of time in bed which was great but like when you get hungry you know like three o'clock rolled around I'm like oh I'm hungry I've been breastfeeding this child all day like what am I gonna eat and then like oh I can't cook myself a meal right now because 
if I put him down, he's going to wake up. Like, you know, like I can't get dressed right now because if I put him down, he's going to wake up. I can't take a shower right now because if I put him down, he's going to wake up. Like, so it was just a lot of trial and error, like probably for both of us. Like breastfeeding was also a challenge for me. Like I, you know, everyone's like, oh, it just comes so naturally. Like it's natural. It is natural. It does not come naturally. Like it is something that is learned. Um, I had, it was really painful for me. Like I had to go and see a lactation consultant and that was the best, that was one of the best decisions aside from the baby carrier that I made. Like I didn't know, you know, you could do it wrong. Like there's a, you know, like the class explained, but like someone to actually like help you position the child is like, yeah, it's a, it was, it changed everything like from that point on. And now I'm having the opposite challenge, which is like wean him off. He's not giving up the boob. Um, we were so successful that now he, that he's still like, yes, mom run the nipple because it's nap time. Um, yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was just like, it's all just like trial and error and like all of it's right. And all, you know, like none of it's wrong. And like, you just, you just go with it. Like, ugh, I don't know, like there's so many choices to make um, in the 10 months, 14 months, I'll say, right. But like from the time you find out to the time you're like through the fourth trimester, um, and none of them are wrong. Like that was difficult for me to accept. Like I had a, I had an idea, my idea didn't work. Um, and that was difficult for me to accept, but it was, I also like grew as a person. I feel like through this, this process, right. Like I'm, there are going to be situations where like, I can't know all the things going into it. I have to just submit to like some, um, be, and be comfortable with some ambiguity. Like it, that's just, that's just how it is. Um, so yeah, it's, it is, it's about just like submitting, like even when you bring the baby home, like, you know, like I thought I was going to like have time to do I don't know why I don't know why I thought this but like I thought I was gonna have time to like do home projects and like crafts and like just be at home with my baby and like make breakfast every morning and like it is not like that like it is nothing like that um I just had this expectation that like it would be like back to normal just with a baby and it's not it's nothing about it is like back to normal it's like very much a abnormal point in time but it's also like a very precious point in time and it goes so fast like I felt like you know I took like five months off of work to leave um but it still didn't feel like that long like it didn't feel like you know when I was going back I was like oh he's still a little baby and like I'm not ready to leave his side like every day and yeah, it goes, it just, it goes by fast. It, um, and it, when you're in it, it doesn't feel fast. When you're in it, it feels like forever. But looking back, I'm like, dang, it was like 
less than a, you know, like less than is like a blink. Like also because they change so much too. Like you're changing really rapidly and they're changing really rapidly. Like every two weeks I felt like, you know, like I was sizing, it was like going to get new pajamas or socks or something for my son. Cause like he was growing and like he was doing more and he was more aware and like, you know, we were like, before I knew it, we were like, you know, first I was reading books to him and he was like, whatever, like, you know, probably couldn't even see them. And then like, it felt like weeks later, you know, like he's like actually like looking at them and like reaching for them. And then, and then he's, you know, like next thing I know, he's like sleeping like five to seven hour stretches. And like, so it feels like forever, but only, only for like a little bit. And now I'm like, oh my God, like the time is just flying by. Like it's going so, so fast. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Well, postpartum is forever. So it is, is a continuous journey of learning your new, your, who your child is as they go through it and who you are. As a parent, as you walk through that. Um, So, yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share with listeners, whether it's resources, advice, anything else from your birth? Yeah. Um, Do feel prepared. Like, do everything you need to to feel prepared. Um, I don't think, you know, looking back on my experience, like, I don't know if, like, reading all the things and, like, writing, you know, my, my planning out my birth plan super meticulously and like really holding on to that was helpful. Like, I think it was helpful to like be knowledgeable of the options. Um, but I would say like, don't get too fixed to an idea of like what your experience should be, because the reality is that you are not in control of that experience. Like you submit to that experience and that is a good, like, it preps you for the rest of what parenthood is like, I think, because there's so many things that you're not in control of. Like even this little person's life, like to some extent you are right. The things that they eat and even that to some extent. Um, But you have to just kind of like go with the flow sometimes for your own sanity sometimes. And that's okay. Like it's okay if you don't like, grow the food yourself and make it all from scratch. It's okay if you take the shortcuts. Like the parent hacks are immensely valuable. Immensely valuable. And it's okay to take them. Like, um, and I think that, you know, we we put a lot of emphasis on um those like these this one time thing, this one time experience, this one time like, you know, um do I, do I take the drugs? Don't I take the drugs? Like the, what I have learned is like the one time is not going to make or break anything. It's the habits that you enforce or discourage that like determine, you know, how something turns out. Um, so I would say like, don't beat yourself up about the one time, like shortcut, right? Like I do like an 80, 20 in my house. It's like 80%, like all the things we say, natural, homegrown, whatever, 20%, like whatever we want because we want it and it's fine. Um, 
there's there's a lot of stuff on the internet about like all of this and some of it's good advice and some of it's not um i would say like you know resources like if you have them talk to talk to people to people you know who've done this and if you don't um check out birthbox like i'm building a wealth of resources um based on my experience and the and the women around me who've done this the people around me who've done this um and um there's like there are some good i think resources um who are looking at like motherhood from new angles there's a magazine called motherly that i think is good content um and this podcast was also really helpful um there yeah like i would say just like try to gather there's a lot of things that could happen and not right like so like be aware of the breadth of experiences that could happen but like just be ready to do anything because that's really that's really like that's really the best way to prep is just to be ready like and ready to accept anything that could happen um and um you know hire help like in whatever form that looks like if you can like if like mentally like if you have a therapist that you see like continue to see your therapist because it is a huge life change and if you don't like find some help who can like i you know like i i didn't hire a doula and like looking back i wish that i would have done that like i wish that i would have had an extra set of hands especially those first few days to like help me just settle in back at home um especially with my husband being sick and like not being present present um I would say like, it just helped, it just, it would have helped me, I think, um, in my experience, feel more at ease, you know, just for like some confirmation, not just like, okay, we're going to try this out and see how it goes. Um, and there's like, there's a ton of professionals who do this. Like there's, there's postpartum doulas, there's, um, you know, labor and delivery doulas, there's lactation consultants, there's midwives there's like all across the spectrum of like experience and credentials like there are people who are knowledgeable and like really do this so i would just say like reach out to them there's even like they're they'll see you virtually now even because of covid so like yeah the i would say just like learn about all your options and like be you know it kind of sucks but you have to be your own advocate also if you're having a hospital birth like you have to stand up for yourself, which is something that I didn't do as much as I would have liked to, but, um, it all turns out fine. So like, just be ready to accept whatever happens. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so fun. I did not think we were going to talk like, this long. <laughs> this is the space, right? Exactly. Yeah. You can just let yeah. it all out, right? Feel everything about yeah. it. And you're right, like yeah. absolutely about hiring help um, and whatever that looks like, right? It could be, what does your insurance cover? What do you put on your registry, yeah. you know, for other people to support? Yeah. What can you barter? What are you saving up for? All these different ways, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. It was so yeah. wonderful to share this afternoon with you. Yes. Same. 
So thank you. Thank you. For listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Root, restoring our own through transformation. Root is a collective of concerned Black families, community members, advocates, and interdisciplinary professionals dedicated to decreasing Black maternal and infant mortality in Ohio. Root's mission is to comprehensively restore our collective well-being through collaboration, resource allocation, research, and re-empowerment in order to meet the needs of Black parents and families. If you and your family are planning, pregnant, or in your postpartum period, please reach out to Root at www.rootrj.org. Financial assistance is available. You can also connect with Root at 614-398-1766 or email them at general-info at rootrj.org.